Thank you for listening to New Life Preaching, sermons from New Life Baptist Church, where we grow in discipleship, grow in relationship, and we grow in Jesus Christ. Please subscribe so that you don't miss a Sunday. So as we continue through the Sermon on the Mount, I want to just remind us, as I have every Sunday, Jesus has been describing this kingdom of God. Christ has come into the world. He's come to inaugurate a kingdom. And he's describing that. And so his sermon that we're studying, it certainly does affect our integrity, but it, but it also shows us how it is we come to rely on Jesus. And, and we already studied how he really fulfilled the law. And so where we see higher standards of the law and inward standards of the law applied, And we know He fulfills that. And this morning we see that Jesus came not to fulfill some contract or oath, but as a sacrifice and for relationship with His church. And so this morning in the Sermon on the Mount where He's preaching against taking oaths. And uh, so if you would, I welcome you to stand as we read from God's Word. Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be, yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh evil. Let's pray. Lord, we, we come to you asking that you reveal your word to us. Lord, that you reveal yourself to us. Lord, help us to see this morning the way that that we can govern our our life in, in a way that builds our relationship to you. Father, we hope to see the way that you fulfilled even this command And Lord, that you would draw us along helping us to realize these truths in our own life and the way that we interact as the church even today. And so Lord, I ask that you give us humble hearts and that you, Lord, that you just work by your spirit in and through us Help us to receive this word this morning that you would be glorified in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So hopefully you're beginning to notice a pattern. If you all have been with us the past few weeks, 
If not, we've been recording these sermons, and so they are available. We can help help get you in touch with what we've already preached on so that you know where we're coming from. But Jesus has developed a sort of a pattern as he's drawn off of Old Testament law and truth, and then he sort of raised the bar without diminishing it, because we remember in, in verses 17 through 20, he says, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so he, he begins from this premise of, of taking oaths. And so if you're following along in the bulletin, there's a fill in the blank and, and an outline, which I hope to stick pretty close to. That first point is simply the value of an oath. Oaths have value. Um, I don't think he diminishes that. And, and I would say in our culture... Um, we're a people who take a lot of oaths. Um, this isn't something that, that we're not going to understand or not going to be able to relate to. Uh, lots of examples that come to mind are, uh, you know, those men and women, uh, elected officials who take public office are sworn into that office by coming under an oath of the office to which they were elected. Uh, this is an important thing as, as we look to them in fulfilling those uh, obligations and responsibilities that they have <coughs> to us, um, who they represent. I think of the military. Uh, speak to any veteran and they take pride in the fact that they still hold and they keep this oath that they've sworn to protect the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Uh, I've heard many veterans um, within, within my family and, and friends and co-workers who, who still take pride in that oath. Um, maybe in a different line of thought, we look with great weight, we put great weight on those who testify in court under an oath, or, or maybe even the opposite, whenever someone, you know, the, the weightiness of the prospect of someone lying under oath. There's a weight to that. And really, as we're, as we're looking at that and trying to consider what all might be entailed in this taking oaths, really any number of things, uh, promissory notes, loans, um, or... Uh, Whatever else, really, we're, we're looking at any of these matters of obligation that we give ourselves to, um, leases. We're, we're really a people who like contracts. I mean, we live in a sue-happy generation, and, and if I talk to my friend who's a lawyer, he says, I want a, I want a contract if I buy a burger through the drive-thru, you know, that, that we want that. There's a value in that promise. So those are some examples of oath-keeping within our day, but it's not separate from the Bible. We see oaths all over through Scripture. Uh, we see um, oaths taken for a specific purpose. If someone is, is supposed to do this delivery or send this message or go get a wife for my son or um, even oaths in taking one another in marriage, uh, even Nazarite vows in which someone you know will take a vow uh, with 
really varying uh, spans of time where they wouldn't cut their hair or shave their beard or, or drink wine or touch anything with blood or anything dead. Um, so oaths are all over. I mean, all over in Scripture, it's really hard to point to just one instance. But we see the importance of the oath and, and, and why that holds value is that oaths bind us to some obligation. It's, it's something binding in our life and it's really a matter of holding value for our word. Our word is uh, a man's only as good as his word, I guess, to use the cliche. But they bind us. It's, we we want to give a promise and we're going to uphold that. But this oath is something that binds us to do what we said we're going to do. We're going to do what is promised. Um, and so that's what gives it value is, you know, a, a loan is, is uh, that promissory note. If we looked at each one of those examples, well, it's, it's no good. And the reason we take that oath and we sign that line is because... There's an intent and an expectation then that we're going to repay or uh, any one of these others. There, there's huge weight. That Nazarite vow, one that came to my mind as I'm looking at oaths, um, was Samson. He took the Nazarite vow. We remember the story of Samson, a lot of us, where you know he didn't cut his hair and everything else. But how well did he keep his, his vow, that oath? Not, not very good, did he? He, he drank wine. He was just uh, ludicrous and, and, and loose with all of his action. He, he ate whatever. He didn't uh, abstain from touching blood. We remember hearing about him uh, walking by and seeing honeybees that took, took up uh, refuge in a carcass of a, of a dead lion. And he scooped in and got him some honey out of that dead carcass, which is really strange. I mean, I keep bees. This is just... It's a little weird for me to think about. But anyway, he didn't take this seriously. And frankly, even, even cutting his hair, he really seemed to treat so loosely whenever he you know, was telling Delilah about that and she would deceive him to have his hair cut and, and take his strength. But what I'm getting at is, is God didn't look softly or kindly to his uh, treating his his oath, his vow, so irreligiously, so um, loosely and um, irreverently. And really, it's the same any time in Scripture when we see people treating their words so lightly. When they begin to lie about things, whether we're talking about, which isn't particularly about oaths per se, but whenever we look at Abraham lying about Sarah being his wife and Isaac doing the same with his wife, God, God doesn't look favorably upon that light language. See, that's exactly what had happened if we were to look at the context of, of this passage in, in taking oaths, and there's, there seems to be a separation. He says, you know, we read in 33 that you shall... 
not forswear thyself, but perform unto the Lord thine oaths. We, so we're encouraged in Scripture to keep your oaths to the Lord. There had really become a practice in their day, the audience that Jesus is preaching to, that they would, uh, so they held the name of God in reverence and said, well, if I swear uh, under God, well, then I'm going to keep this oath. This is, now I'm accountable to God himself. And I don't want to break this oath lest he strike me down. But if I swear on my father's house or I swear on my children or I swear on all my possessions, well, that's a little less binding. I'm not so much worried about God because God really doesn't care. It's not under God or in his name. And so what do you think happened? Well, if we want to make oaths, and I want, I want something, but I don't want to be bound to it, well, let me swear to you, I'll, I'll get, take an oath on my mother's cat that I'll repay you. It led to a lot of lying and cheating and stealing and a dishonesty in the people of God. That's what was going on. And so... We've already really dealt with the fact that God is describing the coming kingdom that Jesus has come to bring in. And purity is of the utmost importance. And we can see how this contradicts the identity and the character of the people of God. We're not a dishonest people. And so the command, this new clarification that Jesus brings. He preaches and he says, but I say unto you, swear not at all. Here's the solution. Don't take oaths. Don't, don't do it. If, if you are not any better than your word and, 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 and your oaths are as shaky as you are, don't do it. Don't take them at all. And, and here is the, uh, the remedy in all this is that it prevents us from sinning. If we're not taking oaths and things, it prevents us from sinning. Imagine, you know, um, the issue with uh, our bad credit score or our uh, growing levels of debt if we just never take out those loans. There's a, there are a number of people who are taking this route and, and saying, yeah, we're just going to do cash transactions and things. But in short, when we look at the, the heart of this message and we see God looking at the dishonesty that is developed within his people and their practices of taking oaths, he really says, look, in not taking oaths, it prevents you from gambling with something that belongs to God and not to you. And so... God is the one who has created these things. God is the one who's made provision for all of this. He's the one who owns it and directs it. And he's the one who blesses. He's the one who gives. He's the one who takes away. And here you gamble with it in order to get selfish gain. And so not taking oaths prevents us from that sin. But there's a greater realization in all of this. And that's that only God is worthy of such obligation, of such promise. See, if we read on, just going verse by verse, don't swear at all. Don't swear by heaven, for that's God's throne. Don't swear by the earth, 
for that's his footstool. Don't swear by Jerusalem. It's the city of the great king. Jesus is still pointing to that, that promise of, of, of God's kingdom that comes in, you know, you know, the promises to Jerusalem. The reality is, don't God, God created the heavens, the earth. He created all these things. He rules these things. They are His possession. And so even God doesn't swear by these things. They're not worthy of this sort of promise. We can't look at the stars and be sure of what they promise. You know, we, we like the C.S. Lewis uh, Chronicles of Narnia, you know. There's one point in which the centaurs come, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to diminish some of the allegory that's there. We love those novels. At the same time, the centaurs come and they say, hey, the stars have said this and the stars don't lie. <clears throat> what we see here and what I'm pressing to you is that the stars even are not worthy of making these levels of promises. Only God holds this certainty of what will be, what will come, what He will bring to pass. We see that in, in Genesis 22... And then recounted in Hebrews 6.13 that God swore by Himself. He made a promise to Abraham through his son Isaac and He said, by my name, just by me. He said He swore by Himself because there's nothing greater by which He could swear by there is nothing greater. There's nothing more steadfast. There's nothing more sure than God Himself. And so we see that we are just all together. When it comes to making promises, when taking an oath, when really, this, this really is going to touch on a lot of things uh, as we plan for our future and we, we think about um, what we know we'll do or whenever we plan for our kids or different things. This, this really should pervade a lot of those nooks and crannies of our life. But he, he makes clear, Jesus wants to drive home how insubstantial we are for this task. In 36, verse 36, <clears throat> he says, Neither shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. Joyce said amen. There might be some of us who say, the heck, I can't change the color of my hair. <laughs> now, I have learned to pick my battles. But I'll simply say that we are unable to, with anything in us, we're not able to muster any level of wisdom that comes with age of gray hair you know, some of you all think Brother Chad looks a little bit more sophisticated than I do. Maybe I, I would envy that. I can't gain what, what wisdom has given him in, in, in his years that he's experienced that I have not. Nor can you, with all your wisdom, muster any ounce of youth or youthfulness. You can't, you can't do that. 
And so whatever that box of dye says on it, it's not going to accomplish much for you. I'm just going to leave that right there. And so in short, we should realize if we are that insubstantial, if we are that insignificant, that we can't gain for ourselves one thing, that I can't assure you that anything about tomorrow, I, I can't assure you that this time next year, I, I, I will have paid this or I will have accomplished that. And we're, we're warned elsewhere in Scripture against making these sort of promises or provisions that we are just not that certain of. Instead, we say, if the Lord wills it. Because the reality is, is for the Christian, we understand that it's God who gives even our life value. You know, we had squandered. We see it over and again in the life of Israel. And if we're honest, we see it over and again in our very own lives that we mess it up. And if, if we're judging by a heavenly standard, I can't change all that much within my own life to, in regard to the bigger picture. I mean, this isn't, this isn't speaking to working hard or, 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 or general truths that, that we read in the Psalms or Proverbs or something. But the, the grand scheme of things, we have a hard time affecting eternity with our life until Christ happens. When we've been purchased with a price that brother or sister is far greater than your worth. Understand that. If you don't, then you don't get the gospel. You've been purchased with a price, but that price is far greater than your worth. But it gives you value nevertheless. Like a painting that sells at an auction. You know, or that watch, you know, if y'all follow my Facebook, that watch, then Facebook thinks I can afford a $30,000 watch. It's a nice watch. But if you pay, if, if I pay $38,000 for something, well, it's worth $38,000 now, you know. But God gives our life value. Now let's look at that last point. Because in the final verse, as, as he's hammered against us and told us, hey, quit this taking oaths. Quit promising something you can't guarantee. And he says, but let your communication be yes or no. Let your yes be a yes. Let your no be a no. It is what it is. Just say it for whatever's more than that comes evil. So what is then the evil of taking an oath? That's that third fill in the blank. The value of an oath. Second one, do not take an oath. And our third point, the evil of taking an oath. I think we've already seen bondage to the world. If it's true you've been purchased with a price, if God has a plan and he's going to use you, anything that, that puts us in obligation to anything else is in some, some respect, at some level, bondage. And I, and I firmly believe this. I believe this with even my own financial debts in this life. And this is why I think that we should, in all good wisdom, 
uh, limit our, uh, our financial debt, it puts us in bondage. And that's just simple. That's, that's just sheer logistics because whenever we owe this or we have to promise this thing, well, now we have to work for this thing. Now we have to invest time and money and it, has, and it necessarily has to pull away from our time with our family. It has to pull away from so often our time in worship or in fellowship with the church, or so many other things, we're enslaved to this. And, and, and this could be anything. This isn't just financial debt that he's talking about. He's talking about oaths, restricting your life because of something of this world. It's Christ. Christ came to set us free. From this world, bondage to ourself and Satan and sin, he sets us free. And yet we go and work ourselves right back into slavery. Where we're just always working for the next thing. That's why credit cards have become such a problem. But you know, this, this can be anything. I see this when we rely on anything of this world for that worth or as we oblige ourselves to ascribe value in this giving and taking, whatever the oath may be, I mean, I, I realize I'm speaking vague, but I'm hoping that, that God is, is testifying to you in your hearts with what that is in your own life. What are the things that are binding you, that are restricting your time and your assets and your anxieties and your worry? That's what we're talking about. It could be, frankly... I mean, it could be the government. I, I can't help but be cautious if, if, if we allow ourselves to become fully reliant on the government to meet all my needs, if they, if they are going to take care of my, my, my paycheck, my housing, my health care, my communication, my uh, whatever else. You know, that they do. If I'm on every subsidy that there is or something like that, even if I'm working hard and, I, and I'm taking and I'm lining up and make, making sure that I'm on every list at the agricultural extension office because I so depend upon this, well then, when they, they take that away, who, who am I in service of? God or the world? This is a real circumstance. As we, the church, come and, and even stand at risk of losing tax exemption status. Whenever now you can't write off your tithes and offerings on your taxes anymore, will you give so freely? Or, or as we have in recent times, whenever they uh, the, try to force and say, well, we need to, you know, as uh, the child, Baptist, you know, Sunrise Children Services needs to uh, have, a, uh, have people of different religions or, or have homosexuals with, that sit on the board. It, whenever we say no, we're not going to do that, we risk, we, we've bound ourselves up because the fact is they've taken government funds. And so you see, this, it, it's, a, it's a conflict of interest. 
This could happen if you rely on Hollywood, if they set the tone for our morals or for our fashion, when we rely on our culture for status or, or, uh, or, or what is good or what is acceptable or you know, how far you know, our humanitarian aid is good when we, help at the, when we go to the help office, but when we hand out the gospel track, we've crossed the line. We have to guard ourselves against any of these things that restrict us in the world apart from God. I hope you see where this is going. And that's because the reality is that we belong to God. And I want to draw a line of distinction here that I, that I maybe did not intend to at first, but not, not in the sense that Oh, you're a person, you're someone in the image of God, and so you belong to God. You do, in a very general sense. All of this is God's creation. But I'm talking about the church. When you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, there is a whole new value that's been placed on your life. There is a, a whole different personal intimate transaction that occurs between you and God whenever that happens. Whenever we come to Christ, come to God through Christ in faith. And so that purchase has been taking place. He's purchased our debts. He's, he, uh, we had a sin debt that was owed God that had to be punished. You don't get away from it. God doesn't accept you with all your sin. He pays. He pays your sin debt through the cross. And he purchased you. And you belong to him. And so it's not a matter, I understand, it's not a matter of, of financial debt. And, and, and I know it's hard. And, you know, getting, getting into the world and getting up on your own two feet without going into debt. We've got to take loans. But maybe that would characterize the way that we view success. I think differently now about my children's dependence on me. I think perhaps if I'm able to afford them something that can keep them from being so enslaved to this system of finance, it, it could have some very practical helps and implications for us. But the main point of this focus is you belong to God. Quit taking oaths for today he may come. Do we, do we think that way? Do we look and yearn? Is our obligation to God? Or is it just to endless things? Tomorrow, tomorrow. Isn't that exhausting? So we, when we come to something like this, I don't want us to simply uh, push it away or develop a checklist. I want us to understand our identity and our characteristic in Christ. I want you to see Christ has fulfilled it. There is a, a need for oaths no longer. No longer. We come to God. We don't have, we, there's no promises. We, we were, we've received the promise. So in going forward, I guess this, the punchline advice here is let, let's let our words be true. Let's be honest as, as members of the body of Christ. 
but let our lives be committed to God. And remember, when Christ came, as he is describing all this kingdom, notice he doesn't come with all of these vain or material or worldly promises. We study a lot, we did in Sunday school, and you know, in the Old Testament when there was a lot of language, a lot of, a lot of very uh, tangible promises in, in population and lands and blessing, Christ didn't come with a lot of vainglory promises, but he came for a sacrifice and for a relationship with his church. That's the gist of his message. And all of this, as we've talked about our anger, our murderous heart, as we've talked about uh, lust and sexual sin, as we come here to taking oaths and as we continue talking about love and even our enemies, you know, in the coming weeks and different things, all of this feeds a central purpose. And it's going to include our relationship with Jesus Christ. This is his first sermon publicly spoken to the people of Israel to ready them for all that he would accomplish in a perfect life, in an atonement for your sins, dying in your place, conquering it, rising again, and accomplishing for us life abundantly. That's the gospel. Not a checklist, not, oh shoot, I've got a lot of financial debt but trusting in Christ, allowing those working diligently so that we're not so restricted financially, where we have freedom, freedom to, to, to give, to love, to, because our value isn't in money, things, status, uh, wealth, looks, gray or, gray or black hair. Um, so I pray that can be our hope this morning looking to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's conclude in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we don't have to struggle day in and day out. We don't have to grow weary or exhausted. Lord, we don't have to uh, strive paycheck to paycheck. Lord, we, we ask that you guard us. I would venture to say that many of us, as we look at these areas of, of our life, would admit that we are enslaved more than what we ought to be to things of this world. Father, we pray that you give us grace, a very simple and practical grace, as we seek to free ourselves from from just growing debt and, uh, and materialism, that we would be able to take each day looking always for the coming of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, that everyone here would realize that they've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, all they have to do is accept 
that gift. Lord, we see that we, every one of us here had a debt that we could not pay. There was an oath in place from the creation that we could never fulfill. Lord, help us to see that you have satisfied that debt. You've made good on an oath that we could not. Father, I pray that in all things we can always look to your Son, Jesus Christ, and that you would help to to, uh, just fashion our life in a way that reflects this gospel message. Lord, that you would use this church here at New Life Baptist and that you would glorify yourself in the name of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to New Life Preaching, sermons from New Life Baptist Church, where we grow in discipleship, grow in relationship, and we grow in Jesus Christ. Please subscribe so that you don't miss a Sunday.